everyone, my name is Belinda Granger and I'm the professional liaison for Challenge Family. I'm also known throughout the triathlon world as being a bit of a mother hen to the pro athletes. Of course, given the current circumstances, I've been thinking about the athletes a lot lately. So we came up with the idea of Coffee Calls with Belinda, which basically gives me and you an opportunity to check in with them all and see how they're all going. So welcome to the official Challenge Family podcast. I think it's time for a coffee. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee Calls with Belinda. Uh, Now, my next guest is an absolute superstar. He's renowned around the world as the German biking powerhouse, and he is definitely one of my all-time favourite athletes, both on and off the race course. Welcome to the podcast, Sebi Kinley. Oh, Belinda, thanks. Um, You... I, I, I'm not supposed to turn the camera on because uh, you would see my tur- face turn slightly red. <laughs> <laughs> I find that hard to believe, Sebi. Um, now, how are you doing and where exactly are you right now? Oh, Belinda, I mean, I have to say, um, just even talking to you and hear your voice <laughs> um, honestly makes me a little bit sad because usually we always meet at races and uh, always in well together with all the people we know from uh, from the races and so on and um yeah it feels like like forever <laughs> since yeah. we we met the last time so so of course i'm a little bit sad like everybody is uh, with the whole situation but other than that um i think that's one of the good things as sport persons we uh, we know there are up and downs and um, and and you get to know yourself very well and you you start to know how you handle situations like that, I guess. Actually, that's a really good point, Sebi, and, and you're dead right. I think as athletes, you guys are used to, you know, the very, very highs of sport but also the very, very lows of sport. Um, and so if any person on this planet um, is prepared for what's been – the hands we've been dealt this year, it's it's – athletes for sure yeah um i think i I definitely think so uh, because um you you never you never have this like usual usually uh um nine to five uh you know every day is the same job i mean you know i'm in in the first um real training camp since march i crashed and broke my collarbone and you are always sort of prepared for something like that because you always know within one second i mean everything can change and you are used to injuries and 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 so on and you yeah like you said i mean you know you you're you're prepared the the best way possible and then you have a flat tire in a race or whatsoever so you always sort of like um always calculating that there is something happening that it's not uh influenceable from from your side and so yes i think um some athletes are probably mentally prepared a little bit better but others are probably uh, struggling even harder um because i mean it's the first time for the last 18 years 20 Mm. years probably I don't have a race coming up, or I mean, I have a race coming up, but you, you the, the amount of uncertainty is like so high, and yep. so the goals are definitely it's it's difficult, you know, to to adjust to something like that for sure. 
And it's interesting because, you know, I've been speaking to obviously quite a few athletes and based here in Noosa where there are a lot of pro athletes, um, so I get to talk to them daily. And most of the athletes I've been speaking to are completely fine physically. So, you know, they're ticking over training, everything's going well. But mentally, it's a different story. It's been a super tough experience, just like you said, and obviously one that nobody has prepared for. I mean, even though as athletes uh, you are brought up to expect the unexpected, I'm just not sure that anyone could have expected this year, you know. (laughs) My gosh. Um, So how have you been been holding up mentally, though? Um. I mean, I have to say, I was in 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 Fuerteventura in Spain in training camp when yeah the whole shit hit the fan to, to slowly <laughs> yeah, yep. to slowly hit the van and um, spreading all around the world and um, even when we left to Fuerteventura, I already told my coach maybe we need to have a plan B for Ironman South Africa. That was mm-hmm. the first race I, we were planning to do. And um, he was like, oh, no, it's going to happen. It's not a problem. Cape Epic is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And, and I mean, even back then, <laughs> we, uh, we, we almost like thought something like this can happen. But of course, I just thought, Maybe we have struggled a little bit till June or May or whatsoever, and then it's all fine again. And then, of course, <laughs> we had been uh, one week in complete lockdown in uh, in Fuerteventura in Spain, and it was almost a relief to 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 come back. I have to say, I think I will never ever do something really bad that brings me to jail <laughs> because <laughs> just one week. This one week in our little apartment there um, was all already enough to to know. I don't want to be. In you jail. don't want to be in that situation. No, I'm I'm hearing no. you loud and clear. I, I'm the same. You know, here in Australia at the moment, um, people in Melbourne, so in Victoria, down south, they're all in lockdown, and you know, there's a lot of pro athletes from Melbourne that are in lockdown right now, so they are allowed out for one hour a day. Uh, they're not yeah. allowed to go more than five kilometers, and my heart goes out to them because I just I don't know if I could do it. I mean, whew, and you know I'm not even a pro athlete, yeah. but it it would kill me. You know, it's just tough. Yeah. Now, listen, Sebi, you've recently returned from a training camp um, in Lavigno in the Italian Alps with your coach uh, Philip Seep and your squad. Uh, how did that? How long were you actually there for, and how was it? Um, so that was already the second um, camp we did. So the first camp was indeed uh, in St. Moritz. Ah. Uh, we went there straight after the borders opened again um, in, in Europe. So the borders were pretty much closed um, in Europe till the 15th of June. And then we went straight um, went to, to, to St. Moritz and it was... Super nice. I've never been a big fan of St. Moritz, to be honest, because it all it's always very, very busy. Lots of tourists. It's yeah. absolutely uh, beautiful. It's stunning uh, uh, landscapes and, and mountains and so on. But it's always too too busy, in my opinion. So it's um, I've I've never really been a big fan. But this time it was absolutely uh, uh, great um, because not a lot of people were there, and we had really good 
good conditions. Unfortunately, um, like three days before the end of the camp, um, I was on a bike ride alone uh, and descending down from uh, Bernina Pass. Um, actually not very fast and then uh, there was a little bit of uh, gravel um, on the on the road before construction area and well um, then uh, I crashed and broke my collarbone which was not a really nice experience to be honest but on the other hand um, I was just super lucky I think uh, the surgeon um, in uh, in St. Moritz he was almost almost waiting for somebody to, to, <laughs> to, do, and, to do something I mean, bad. <laughs> he was basically, I think, out of work since uh, the end of the ski season in oh. February and uh, thinks you can't do anything um, with the surgery against Corona. I think he was he was happy to, to help somebody again. <laughs> uh, see, you see, so, this is the sort of guy you are. You're such a good bloke that you did this for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, and, no, but to be, to be honest, I mean, I... I think um, if something like this this should have should have happened, and at one point it's just yeah. I mean, I was riding 150,000 k's in my life without uh, breaking yeah. a bone, and yeah. uh, I mean, it's it's just a matter um, of time that it's gonna happen, and then it happened at the right time, I guess. Did you picked right a good place. you picked a really good time? To be honest, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I listened to my wife um, uh, that I should should have a good good um, insurance um, yeah. for foreign countries. So <laughs> it was also a good thing. And um, yeah, so it's all all right now. And then yes, uh, like you said, sorry for the long answer, but um, no, then good. we went to to Livigno again. I've been there the first time two years ago, and this is definitely a happy place for me. Even of course, it's at altitude, and of course, you you want to have good conditions and everything. But at the same time, it's just the right place to um, put stress on your body, but to relax your mind. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's just yeah. I I I, I lo love the place, and it's also I think especially during this time, it's um, it's important because I can handle a lot of shit if I prepare for a race. You know, mm. and um, you always. No, well, it's just another three weeks of this, and then it, you can relax and relax it's and take fine. it easy. And, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. if you don't know what you are actually doing it for, then it's better you be uh, in a place where you can be happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and yeah, the, I've seen some pictures, and it looks absolutely breathtaking. And you, you had some pretty good weather too. Yeah, I mean, of course, we didn't took the pictures on the days where we had bad weather. Of course not. <laughs> of course. Who does I mean, that? No uh, one does that. <laughs> I, I, I get, yeah, well, I get supported from them. And, of course, you don't, uh, you're not going to show the, the things that are not so nice. I mean, no. not so nice is, for example, uh, at this time of the year. So we came back last Sunday and uh, it, it gets so busy. It gets completely crowded. And, of course, especially this year, where a lot of also from the Italian um, folks are, yeah, doing their vacation uh, in their own country, it's yes, it's getting too uh, too packed. But um, yeah, but other than that, I I absolutely love this place, and it's also yeah, you know, it's it's the right combination of um, of sport sport opportunities and 
good training conditions, but at the same time, it also offers a lot of, uh, yeah, just life quality, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So are you are you trying to say nice restaurants and cafes, so good coffee, good red wine? Absolutely. Yeah, you're speaking Absolutely. my language and now. It's, <laughs> and it's like super, uh, super affordable because yeah. especially compared to St. Moritz, they don't have uh, sales tax there. Ah, um, right. And so, mm. yeah, a lot of people go there to... Uh, buy their cheap drinks and oh. cigarettes <laughs> of course of but, course um, uh, but uh, also just a lot of very active people they have a great bike park and, and everything wow. so that's yeah, pretty nice uh sounds good. and it's also tell me correct me if i'm wrong it's very even though it's in the the italian alps very very close to the swiss alps and to uh challenge davos is that correct exactly exactly ah. yeah it's um uh, it's um it, it really depends. There is a tunnel that you can just ride in one direction. Um, and it closes like every 15 minutes in one direction or the other direction. So it really depends if you're lucky or not. Uh, right. Uh, well, you can take most, it. But uh -huh. usually uh, it's under an hour and then you are on the on the race course um, uh, from Challenge Davos. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Now, Sebi, you're down on the start list to do this race, which I am assuming should be or will be your first race of the year. Is that correct? Absolutely. Fingers crossed that it's going to happen. Fingers crossed. I know. Well, I must admit, I took a look at the start list. Um, I've been working with Daniela from Challenge Davos, and um, as soon as I saw your name on the start list, it made me smile. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing you finally be able to race again. Uh, I'm not sure if you've had a look at the start list, but it's a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a stellar field, which obviously is to be expected with the lack of racing we've had this year. But you've got yourself, um, Christian Blumenfeld, Andy Dreitz, Andy Boschera, Joe Skipper, Peter Hemrick, the defending champ, of course, um, another German, Ruben Zepunkt. Is that how you say his last name, Zepunkt? Zepunkt, yeah. Zepunkt, okay. And, of course, he's, an, <laughs> he's another gun on the call bike. Him, call him 10 points. Ten points. All right, that's much easier for me. I, I'll, I'll yeah. remember that one. Uh, Maurice Clavel, Patrick Nielsen. That's just to name a few of the top pro men. Um, and all up, I believe there are twenty German pro men racing, which is insane. I mean, we've never had that outside of Germany. Um, are there any expectations, Sebi? I mean, obviously, under normal circumstances, of course, there'd be expectations for you. I know you go to races, and you go to races. To, to win and to give your best but I mean it was so long ago from the last time you raced so how do you prepare for this race how do, what are your expectations going into it yeah, that's a really good it's good crazy question. um I mean under normal circumstances to be honest um I think I would not do the race um yeah. because it it's just probably a little bit too too early after uh, after I broke my collarbone, and that of course costed me, yeah. costed me just um, quite some uh, some training, especially in the swim. And I mean, in this field, on this course, um, it's it's basically like a world championships, <laughs> yes. only Europeans. Um, yep. And I mean, it's probably I mean, depending on what's happen, what happens later in the, in the year, I think it's probably the strongest field you're gonna find in any race this year. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, so, so therefore, I mean, um, but you know, under these circumstances, I would just love to do do a race. That's the first. That's the first thing. 
And uh, the next thing is, I, I love the surroundings there. I've, I spent quite some, uh, some, some time at altitude, and Davos is at altitude, so that, that's probably a little bit of an advantage for, for me. And then, um, I mean, I know a lot of the guys on the start list that mm. you didn't mention, um, and there, there are some, some guys, and you will hear their name probably for the first time in this, this race, but I've already uh, known them from smaller local races and also with all the swift racing that was going on this year. You yeah. definitely see uh, some people putting out amazing numbers. And I know from some of these guys that these numbers are actually the real deal. Uh, correct, and not, yes. Not. Yeah, and not just whatever, some <laughs> random not, numbers. Yes, um, not fudging so, weight, etc., etc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but to, 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 to answer your question is... Uh, I don't. I don't really know what to to expect. Um, I'm just so pumped up uh, to do this race and uh, to get a start. And then I hope there will be will be more races to come, of course. But um, if it would be the last race of the year, at least we had basically the European Championships <laughs> happening. That's true. And look, I suppose the only the only good thing is that most athletes are in the same boat. You know, there's. I, I don't think there's been many athletes that have had the opportunity to, to race a big race. I know there's been a couple of little local races go ahead, um, but really the last the last races that I know of were way back in um, February, March. We had Challenge Wanaka, obviously, in New Zealand, and then Ironman New Zealand. So I know that Joe Skipper is probably the only one on that start line or one of the only ones on that start line for Davos that actually has had some race practice this year. But, <laughs> probably um, the only one who managed to be over-raced. Yes, this, uh, <laughs> well, you know, he just did that. You know, he just broke the, the GB record, the yeah. Great Britain record for that 12-hour time trial. I know, he's crazy. Ridiculous numbers. Crazy. Yeah. I know. He's, but that's Joe. He's a special boy. He really yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. as you said, it must be, it must be a mix of, of apprehension but also excitement, almost like you remember when you get ready for for your very first race of the year or back when you were doing yeah. your very first world championship. I mean, is it that sort of excitement where you're chomping at the bit to really get to the start line, but on the other hand, you're like, oh, shit, what can I expect? Um, I think it's different because um, because I have so much experience now, but at the yes. same time, during this whole year, I, I realized that it's still important for me and it's, it's still something I really love and that yeah. I really miss the races, but also, um, you know, all the things that, that come with the races. So the meeting the people and, and so on. And then I also look at it as, as a chance because, um, you know, my uh, schedule was always like pretty much more or less the same for the last like five or six years. Yeah, I've true. always done, you know, Greichgau, Heilbronn, uh, um, uh, St. George, uh, Frankfurt or Ross, and then uh, Hawaii, Hawaii. championships yeah. before that. Um, so this year, if the race, if some of the races are going to happen that I signed it, um, up for, it will be like all different kind of races i've never been there and True. um that's that's something that that's also pretty exciting to to uh, see some new places and and also race like like davos you know usually it would not be uh, 
um, very high up my list because there's always like a 70.3 world championships and then it's yes, preparation true. for Kona and, and you never have the chance to do a race like that even if you would love to because it, there's just too much um, important races that you need to do that your sponsors want you to do exactly. and the audience want you yeah. to do and so on so um, I'm like super uh, super excited that I have the chance to do a race like that because it's an absolutely beautiful beautiful race and it's uh, great that hopefully the organizers get uh, rewarded with an absolutely uh, extraordinary field. Yeah, and you know what, Sebi, that's that's a perfect way to look at look at the year as well. And um, you know, thinking about that and thinking about what you've just said, you you've just nailed it. I mean, we could all all athletes could wallow in self pity, and and I mean, obviously, if you had a choice, you'd be doing your normal schedule. But this is an opportunity for you to do something different. So you're dead right. It makes so much sense. Now, I have to ask you, um, obviously you brought it up, you did have a little mishap back in late June where you broke, uh, broke your collarbone. Um, I know most people do know that that's happened and I actually followed via your Instagram post your uh, comeback, which was brilliant. I don't think I've ever seen an athlete do it so perfectly um, and I think you were rewarded because I think you actually recovered from that break very, very quickly. Um, but has it actually healed completely now and is your swimming back where you need it? When I say where you need it to be, is it back to where it was <laughs> pre? No. <laughs> that's, that's a good thing if, you, if you're such a bad swimmer. I think sometimes <laughs> you're even not like a bad three-week break uh, can't even make it any worse. <laughs> yeah, this is well, that's true, that's um, true. Uh, I mean... Uh, yes, I had another uh, another X-ray just um, ten ten days ago now, and right. it looks really good. So uh, I managed not to to fuck it up somehow by doing too much too, much, too, too early, early or yeah, yeah. bench pressing a two hundred pounds just like three days <laughs> after the surgery or something like that. I mean, you know, I was I'm I'm always watching all kinds of different sports and um i can remember like so many people with broken collarbones and i can remember tyler hamilton riding tour de france with a broken collarbone Madness. and um and then i mean it's not a broken collarbone but mark marcus moto gp rider moto gp world champion broke his arm and then he managed to fracture the plate that they uh, um that they did to to fix it together with the bone again and <laughs> i mean i think sometimes especially now during this time of course you know even the day after the surgery i it felt so good i thought like it's gonna it's gonna be okay i can i can go to the pool like in in one or two days it's gonna be fine, <laughs> It'll as, be soon, fine. as soon as the stitches are pulled i i'm gonna jump in the pool but that's one of the things you realize as an athlete. It's it's important what you do, but it's even more important sometimes that you choose the right people that yes, surround you. Yes, and exactly. um, with my wife and my coach and so on, it's it's such a good team that um, I they usually stop me from doing something really stupid or whatsoever. So therefore, yeah, I think the the team really got to shine get to shine when when you are in in trouble. And um, yes, I mean it was 
it was just absolutely awesome you know um just three hours after i i crashed i already um was lying um uh, in the in the room where where they did the surgery so wow uh, it was it was just yeah <laughs> really That's fortunate incredible. so yeah. I know um, when people look at it, especially on social media, you know, it always looks like uh, everybody is doing it faster than you and better and so yeah, on. Yeah, 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 that's true. I mean, true. that's one of the, the things when you when you do professional sport. It's, um, it's usually during the times where not everything is perfect, where you make the difference. And I think um, so I'm, I'm pissed for like 24 hours. Um, that I did a mistake and that I wasn't paying attention enough and so on. And then, then you need to focus on what you can do. And uh, I know this is like <laughs> everybody tells you that. And it's whenever I get this advice, I, I want to throw up. But um, <laughs> but it's it's really true. Like at one true. point, it doesn't help to to be mad at you or mad at the situation or whatsoever. And then I like full on go with all the energy um to try to 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 solve the problem and try to yeah to make it make it better and i think that helps me a lot no i agree and and i always have a motto you know when 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 shit goes wrong you're allowed you're allowed a 24 hour grace period to to be angry yeah. uh but then you've got to then you've got to get over it and, and then you realize it's just a waste of energy in the wrong in the wrong direction um yeah but that's when, honestly, Sebi, that's when having a great team like you've got around you. So you mentioned Tina, your wife, um, your coach, Philip Seep, who obviously is doing a brilliant job. Um, when you have a great team around you to keep you mentally back on track so that, and also to stop you doing things that are going to be worse, make the situation worse. And I, I think that from when you broke your collarbone to where you are now, um, You've had such a great team around you, steering in the right direction, and also the fact you don't give yourself enough credit here. You and also the fact that you you know your body better than anyone, so you know what you're able to and what you're not. And if you did happen to just push it just that touch too far, you've got you've got your coach there to say, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, back it off, buddy. Need to calm down." So you yeah, you've done a really good job because it's been it's been an I've, I know a lot of people that have broken their collarbones. They've come back too quickly. They've broken it again. It's rebroken, and something that should have been fixed in a month or two has taken yeah. you know, almost a year. It's crazy. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's always the thing that I see with with athletes that are probably new to the sport or mm-hmm. that will never ever make it to the top. Um, is by trying to to rush the things. They yeah. will actually slow the things down exactly. Yeah, they probably just have a slight flu or whatsoever, and they, but they can't wait another day. You know, they they need to go. They need to go for it, and then uh, then they get really uh, sick or whatsoever, and then it costs them like a week or four weeks or even months. Yeah, and I think extra. that's what I what I really learned. Sometimes is you have to slow the things down to speed them up. Um, Absolutely. Another another saying I want to throw up when I hear it, but <laughs> but <laughs> um, it's true. But it's also also just just um, true. And sometimes I really have to say this like a mantra to myself that yeah. um, it's not gonna help you to whatever fulfill all. 
uh, everything that's on the schedule, if yeah. you if you know it's it's probably gonna break you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so true. Now, Sebi, let's talk about your coach. You mean you've you've mentioned him a few times now. Um, you're coached by Philip Seat, who's obviously also the husband and coach of top German female pro Laura Philip. Um, you look like you've got a really really cool squad there do you do you spend a lot of time face to face with philip or do you still do a good chunk of the work on your own when you're home um how often are you actually in a in a group situation where where philip's right there with you um yeah especially this year it wasn't a lot of time face to face and also mm. not a lot of time in the in the group because um it was just not really a chance but i always um yeah, I try to to train with single people out of the the group, especially right. with uh, Florian Florian Angert. Angert, yep. Um, and uh, and then of course with with Laura um, in the in the pool, we definitely spend some time together in the pool. That's uh, it, it's always the most important thing for me. Uh, running and and cycling is not a problem to do to do on my own, but. Um, yeah, especially swimming. Uh, it helps to to swim with other people. And in the past years, I spent way too much uh, time on my on my own. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, but uh, I mean, it's 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 just a very good mix because the thing is, I also don't want to have my coach with me like every single session because it's um, it takes away that little bit of extra motivation you get when somebody is actually uh, standing next to the to you on the pool deck and has the stopwatch in his hands yeah. <laughs> it yeah. always um uh, it always brings some some extra pressure and motivation so but i don't want to have that every day to be honest so therefore yeah. it's it's a it's a good um combination yeah. Uh, yeah and you're dead right i mean you want to be able to still be independent and be able to do it on your own as well yes and i mean uh, the thing is um when you are on your own you uh, you feel when you're tired and you mm. just go a little bit easier you don't don't force it or whatsoever but if your coach is next to you you always try to to please the coach and you always try to to give your very best because you want to show that you are motivated and so on and so on and so on and um that it's a good thing but to have it like in every session is probably also yeah um bit too much very, uh, yeah very yeah. Uh, stressful no, I totally agree. Um, now, Sebi, you, I hope you don't mind me saying this to the world, big wide world. You're 36, um, <laughs> yeah. but which is, in my eyes, sweetheart, you are still very, very young. So you're 36. You've already cemented yourself as one of the all-time greatest long-distance athletes in the world, even if you don't think so. I know so. Um, you've got two Ironman 70.3 world titles. Uh, you've won the Ironman World Championships back in 2014. You also have three podiums at that particular race as well. You won Challenge Roth in 2018. I mean, I could get, the list goes on and on. Looking back now to when you very first started in the sport, did you did you envision that you would be this successful? Hmm. I dreamed about it. That's uh, for sure. I mean. Yeah. Uh, I have this like school newspaper um, from the third or fourth grade in primary school, and everybody had to write down what he wants to become when he's grown up. And I and I wrote down I want to be professional triathlete. Oh, that, no uh, way! It's, 
See, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. I mean, I I was eight years old back then. And, crazy. Um, and my uh, my class teacher told me uh, it's it has to be something realistic where you actually can earn money. <laughs> and um, money. and I think all the other guys that wrote something down, none of them became what they, what they wrote said. down back then. No and way. The the guy with the with the smallest with the crazy um, with the chances. crazy dream the crazy dream. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's and, an and, awesome story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can I can send you a picture of this uh, of this particular page in the in the newspaper or in yeah. the in the magazine. It. Anyway, um, I think I I never was shy of you know having big dreams, but yeah. it's a different story to have goals because for me it's it's quite a huge difference. I still have a, have some big dreams, but um, I would not call them goals because. Goals for me have to have to be something I really think that they are realistic. But yeah. over the time, this big dream um, became a goal, and then uh, it's it's way easier to pursue that. And um, so I think in two thousand five or two thousand six, um, that was the the time when I really thought actually um, you can you can now say this is a goal. Uh, mm. and not a dream anymore and uh, I don't speak about the dreams but I'm not shy to <laughs> yeah, no, communicate no. goals so uh, yeah and Ugh. then I I started to be honest with myself and said like okay this is a goal now and um, yeah so I think that was the time when I realized I actually have what it takes to 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 win one of these big races be one of the best now Please don't think I'm being cruel here because I would never be cruel to you. Um, <laughs> but I know you also prefer people to say they say things as they are, not to what we call pussyfoot around um, or sugarcoat things. But when I first met you, and you probably do not even remember, I was trying I was trying all day today to, to, to make sure I got the, the year right. It was the very first year that I went to Challenge Crycow. It may have even been the very first year that Challenge Crycow which is now obviously Ironman, but back then it was a challenge race. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it was 2008. Um, was it was it already a challenge or was it Kreichgau Triathlon Festival? No, it was it was like yeah. it was. I'm pretty sure it was a challenge mm -hmm. race. So that maybe the was, first uh, year that Chris, was challenge. Chris racing that year. Yes, Comic. exactly. Yes. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. Then I know what you what year you you mean. So. Yeah. I know you were there because someone introduced me to you and I won't tell you what I thought. Oh, well, I will later, but I'll tell you. But I remember, I don't even think that you did. Did you do the half distance that year or did you just do the Olympic distance race? Um, uh, I think I did the Olympic distance race, but I'm not 100% sure because the first year when I was when it was a challenge, I did the middle distance race. Okay, so it might and have I been. Think, yeah. It might have been then, but yeah, I remember I someone. It was middle distance. Yeah. I remember someone coming up to me, another German, and saying, "Oh, that's Sebastian Kinley. You know, he's he's a phenomenal bike rider. He's going to be really good." And um, I said, "Oh, right, okay." I didn't know anything about you, but you know, I was coming over from as an Australian athlete, so I didn't know much about the German athletes. Um, only about the guys that were were doing really well in Kona. And I remember looking at the results afterwards and thinking, "Well." For someone that's going to be one of the greatest athletes, he, he can't swim. Uh, he can definitely bike. He can definitely ride. He can definitely ride. I will always give you that. And your run was, well, it was okay, 
but it wasn't it wasn't lightning fast. But even when I think back to how far you've come since that race to say the next year, so 2009 when you came back and did that race again and you won it, I mean just the, the, trend, the transformation in one year was incredible. So, yeah, it, it's funny how you said about 2006 you said you started to realise the dreams were then goals and then I think between 2008 and 2009 the difference that I saw personally from you was incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, with a lot of athletes, they uh, um, they probably know before everybody else knows what yes. they are yeah. capable of or what they are not capable of. And I think um, one of the, the the good things for me is until probably that year, two thousand nine or two thousand two thousand seven. Um, when I became German under 23 champion on the short distance, um, I think I never really won any uh, any big races. I had a couple of uh, good results in our in our league and and so on. But um, yeah, like you said, it it was like from the outside, not a lot of people would have thought that yeah. uh, this is possible. But that's the thing. As a, as somebody from the outside, you get to see the result list and you look at times and and so on, mm-hmm. but you don't know what the person was training for that result, for example. No, and exactly. until that point, I was still studying full time. Yeah. And, okay. Um, yeah. 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 I think my my I probably trained like fifteen or seventeen hours per week, and. Um, I know the the bang for the bucks was already like pretty good. Of course, with a lot of athletes, they think, "Oh, now I just do double the amount and <laughs> yeah, double, double, exactly. double the double is good." <laughs> it's not it's not working like that no. for sure. That's no. that that was something I knew, of course. But um, I knew I can do a lot of things so much better. And um, uh, when I uh, when I then focused full fully on sport without having any any big um, distractions around me, I think that just completely changed changed everything, you. changed my mindset. But also, yeah, I mean, uh, I I was able to run like at that time pretty fast, but the problem was always uh, I destroyed myself completely on the bike all the time, yep. and I didn't just didn't have the endurance and uh, the hours in my in my legs to to back this up yeah and and it's interesting you talk because one thing I, I I've learned about you over the years of just watching you and getting to know you as an athlete as an as, as a person is you are one hell of a de- 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 determined man like the determination that I see obviously in training but what I, what I see it in racing because that's when I get to follow you um but the thing that I think you have, and a lot of elite athletes think they've got it, but they don't, is you've never shied away from working on your weaknesses. Um, and not a lot of athletes have the, the courage to do this. And I'm not just talking about having a, a run week or a swim week here and there thrown into the program. I'm talking about having the courage to maybe say, okay, my bike, I'm just going to put that on the back burner and I'm really truly going to work hard for an extended period of time on my swim um, and my run, and it's tough because you know when you do that that it could mean for the interim losing a little bit of your only strength, which you know you're a superstar on the bike, 
Um, but now I look at you now and you're you're swimming. Okay, we're not going to say you're a superstar swimmer because that would be silly. But you've definitely <laughs> you've definitely improved your swim dramatically from where you first started, mm. and your bike and run is up there with the best in the world, if not the best. So your bright bike run combination is phenomenal. And I know that that just didn't happen once you gave up, you finished university and you just trained full time. I know that's because you obviously made a lot of sacrifices because you trusted your coach, you trusted yourself and you worked on your weaknesses, not for a week or two or not for a month here and there, but for a bloody long time. Belinda, I think now you are indeed sugarcoating things a little bit. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm um, not, I promise. To, to be honest, I, I sometimes, um, I mean, I'm not 100% sure uh, if this is like 100% correct because in a lot of the races in last years, I actually uh, haven't been that much closer um, than I was like four or five years back, uh, when, right. especially when it comes to swimming. When I look at 70.3 worlds in, in Nice, um, also Kona last year, it's always pretty much the same gap. It doesn't mean that I'm not improving or that I'm not working enough um, on the swim or whatsoever, but it's, it's, a, it's a couple of things. First of all, um, everybody is developing. Nobody exactly. is just no. like, you know, the same. resting no. on what they, what they have. And, every, and, and I mean, they know the good swimmers, need, they know they need to have this gap on people like me, like Camberf, um, and 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 so on, you know. So therefore, everybody is 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 working, and that's in nature of the the competition. So I think um, sometimes I probably didn't had um, enough um, uh, determination to work even harder on the on the swim and. Sometimes I think I have not done enough um, in a lot of uh, in a lot of ways. But then, on the other hand, I always know um, there is this there is this line, and when when I cross this line, I start to to lose the fun in uh, in all the yeah no, and yeah and then it's not then it's not working anymore for me, and no. so therefore um, sometimes it's very difficult, you know. I, I know, let's say for a race like Davos, I need to to have a chance. I would need to lose like two kilos uh, body weight at least. <laughs> but <laughs> the thing is, if I, if, and I think I would be able to do that. But the problem is, um, I would also not lose those two kilos, but I also lose a lot of uh, fun and, um, yeah. and what, what drives me in the, in the sport. And that's, that's, one of the problems I think um, I don't have the same, you know, intrinsic motivation than probably, for example, Jan has in, okay. in some yeah. uh, some ways, and yeah. that's the reason why I also have a shit ton of second places, probably way more <laughs> than wins. Um, but you know, that's also one of the things you realize, especially when you're 36. Is um, I look back um, even now and. With a lot of races, I don't even can remember the result, um, yeah. but I remember like the, the time and the good time we had and so exactly. on. 
And oh. I know this is like a, a circle. If I'm in that circle, I will also perform really well. And I would probably not lose two kilos, but one. But I don't lose the fun. And so therefore, it's a good, it's a winning combination still. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I could not agree with you more. You know, I often get asked the question, you know, how were you a professional athlete for so many years? It's Didn't you ever get sick of it? But I'm exactly, I have the exact same mindset as you, Sebi, in that, it was never a chore because I ne it never became a chore for me. So it was, and yeah. it was never just a job. Um, and it was always enjoyable. And I, I look back that's, on every single year with such fond memories. That's really the thing that scares me with a lot of, um, with a lot of the absolutely top athletes. Um, probably not so much in, in our sport because also the window where you can perform in our sport is like pretty large. But in a lot of sports, I mean, when you hear stories about, you know, burnouts and mm -hmm. really heartbreaking stories about yeah. depression and, and so awesome. on, mm -hmm. I think it's that's something sports should not do to you, you no. know, and you should, it's about you to not let that happen, you know. At the end of the day, yeah, it's, we all strive for like, this attention and the wins and, and, and so on, you all want to be in the limelight and of course, the difference between fifth place and first place in Kona is is probably one and a half million bucks a year. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, yep. uh, that's that's for sure. But the thing is, it's it's not worth it at the end. I mean, no. that's what I what I experienced or what I found out for me. And no. it's also not. I agree. Um, it might lead to success in one or two years, but usually not over a stretch of like 10 or 15 years. No, so true. And it's, it's interesting that you talk about this as being the way you think because one of the things I wanted to talk about to you today is, and I've spoken to you about this before, is that you race a little differently to not all other German athletes but many German athletes. And I know I, I am – I'm putting the German athletes in this tiny little capsule and I know that's not you know I'm generalizing just a little bit here but uh, most of the German athletes I've known in the past and good German athletes have always raced by numbers it's always about we always Justin and I when we first came to Germany all those years ago we, we were blown away it was all all about the your computer on your bike or all about the numbers and all about what Garmin's telling you and they would show very little emotion when they're out there on the race course. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It was just completely different to anything we'd seen before. And then, of course, you came along and you were a breath of fresh air for us um, because I've always said to you, no, Sebi, you're not a normal German. You race with the numbers and you race with your brain, <laughs> but you also race with your heart. Now, I've said this to you so many times, but it's, it's just so obvious when you're out there on the race course how much the sport means to you. And how much you are always willing to give of yourself out there. And, and a good example is 2018 when you won Challenge Roth. And I was lucky enough to be doing all the social media updates. So I got to follow you on the uh, pretty much all day long. Um, but, you know, I was on the back of the motorbike and I got to watch you and Cam were um, absolutely destroying the bike course out there. You know, you started with, the, I still remember the first up, started with that huge bunch of about 20 pro men. And just every few kilometers, you know, a couple more would <laughs> pop off the back until, you know, we, were in, we ended up at the thing for the second lap. It was Cam, yourself, and Jesse Thomas. And then, of course, I think Jesse Thomas lasted one lap. Then the next lap, he's like, I'm out. Um, and just to, just, just to see the determination on your face and on, in your eyes all day, 
um, and you could just see that you were loving it and you backed yourself, um, even to the extent when you knew when to let Cam go in the end uh, and and you said, okay, I, I need to make sure I, I've got a good 42K in me. And you could see that you, you'd made the decision, okay, Cam, you keep doing what you're doing and I'm just going to concentrate on me now. But honestly, I, I've, I've been to so many races over so many years, but that one still stands out in my mind because I got to follow you all day and watch and I just, I, I get freaking goosebumps talking about it now because it was <laughs> it was it was awesome do you know what i mean yeah me uh, me too i'm also <laughs> getting goosebumps hearing you talk about it oh, so i mean cool. that's i think um that's where these two lines of like um your your performance and and your experience pretty much cross um yeah that's the moment where where they really much uh, crossed and i remember we even talked about that after the after the race and yeah. i uh, um you you told me that you uh, that you saw like this uh yeah this this impression in my face and um the 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 willpower almost like <laughs> uh spraying out everywhere yeah. Uh, yeah. of my of my <laughs> body and um the the and I, then I think I told you that I would say that that I was even scared that I don't have this anymore because just like four or five years earlier, I would never had um, Cam let go, you know? No, but, no, um, exactly, exactly. But then I probably would have destroyed myself completely yeah. and I would have not won the race. No. And now I know till what point I need to, to go uh, with, my, with my heart and at what point I need to also use my brain a little bit more. Yeah. And I think, um, um, you know, as a... As, as as a professional sport sports person you always look for like some sort of number that proves that you are like above everybody else that you are more talented that you know it's written in the books that you're going to win a lot of races and so therefore the people doing all these performance tests and and stuff and but the honest truth is i know a lot of the numbers from other athletes and mm. compared to these numbers my numbers are actually not very good you know i mean my vo2 max is not above 80 and yeah. i mean looking at the norwegian guys they have like vo2 crazy max numbers of 90 yeah plus yeah, and yeah it's yeah. crazy 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 and but then you know the thing is um and then obviously they beat me in a race like like nice but for example, in Nice, I, I, I ran faster than Javi Gomez, Alistair Brownlee, and Christian Blumfeld. On paper, this would never be never. possible. No. You know, because no. They, their, their 10K best is probably one minute or one and a half minutes faster than mine. But the thing is, I, I realize, um, and I think that that came even more within the last years, um, in training, I can go only till like 95% of what I'm able to, to do. When I was a young kid, it was different because every training session was a competition <laughs> and I wanted to prove myself and so on. Yeah. But um, now I really know, okay, on, on this day, I can still go like way above what, what I would think is possible in training. And uh, so it's always... I mean, when I train with a lot of the, these guys, I always think like, why, why don't they beat me in any competition? Because yeah, they 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 are they're just so much better in in training than me. But then on race day, I'm still ahead of them. 
Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's better that way around than the other way around. <laughs> oh, totally. Oh, I totally, absolutely, it's the, it's the best way. Now, you're probably going to hate me for this, but I, I did tell you before that never, I was going to keep it nice. You. So going back to when I first met you, um, we, have a, we have a bit of an expression. It's a Kiwi slash Aussie expression. I remember when I first met you, when someone introduced me, I thought you were a bit of a dag. Now, I'll explain to you what a dag is. Um, it basically means that you looked a little goofy, maybe even um, <laughs> a little bit odd or, or, or quirky. Maybe a nicer word is quirky. Um, you had a funny haircut, you wore glasses, <laughs> and your race kick was not well coordinated. Um, in fact, to be honest, if, if someone had said, you know, that's the next world champion, I would have laughed at them. <laughs> <laughs> However, fast forward to today, and you were probably one of, if not the coolest athletes on the race course, on and off the race course. So I know most podcasts want to talk about Sebi as the athlete and Sebi as the, the, the racing god, but, you know, I'm a female and sometimes I just, we look, we look at things a little differently, but <laughs> I cannot believe that the, the, the goofy, daggy boy that I knew way back in the day now, when I see you on the race course, you're like one of the coolest looking guys on the race course with you. Everything's matching. The only other athlete that I would put in the same same boat as you is Luke McKenzie because he always has everything matching and always looked amazing as well. Um, but, you know, even even off the off the field now too, you, you've turned into this the cool kid. I mean, I, I would love – do you ever you look back so. and, and love- I- to be honest, I, I think the only pictures I really like of me is when I'm actually on the race course because um, every everything else is, I think it's still the goofy. No, goofy no you're uh, At least every morning when I look in the mirror, I think like, <laughs> wow. I mean, um, the, <laughs> I think the people here, when they don't know who I am and yeah. uh, that, I, that I actually make a pretty good living with my sport, um, they think I must be some, uh, <laughs> some homeless, workless um, <laughs> person. This, the thing is just, I actually really, really enjoy that. A lot of, I mean, there, there, there's this um, German haute uh, couture um, designer, and he said, if you're wearing uh, your jogging pants on, on a work day, you lost control over your life. <laughs> and to be honest, for me, it's, the exact opposite. Um, if I am able to wear whatever I want yeah. every day, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have the maximum control over Absolutely. my life because I don't have to give a fucking shit what nope. everybody else thinks. Sorry yep. for that. No, Definitely. it's true though. No dress, but no rules. In Germany. Um, yeah. It's it, it, that's that's uh, how I think of it. It's um, I'm. I think I really make it made it in life because I don't have to wear a suit or um, whatsoever to 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 make an impression on on people, you know. And yeah, totally. I think that's uh, that's something I always really enjoyed in 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 my sport. And um, I mean, right now with no races and all the social media things, I mean, I'm putting stuff out on social media and I look at my own stories and I think like what what the I mean it's no Sebi you are funny you've got it wrong Um, you you are the cool kid in school right now I'm telling you I know 
You're the cookie. <laughs> what I want you to do, talking about social media, what I want you to do, I want you to go back about 10, 15 years and I want you to grab some of those old pictures and start putting those pictures up on Insta and let, let all your fans see the old Sebi back in the day with the, <laughs> <laughs> the goofy Sebi with I, his glasses. And I'll, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely get one out, that's for sure, yeah. You've got to promise me. For you. I love yeah, it. Now, Sebi, I've always thought, I mean, and now again I'm not sugarcoating, this is actually the truth, you are also a very clever, I mean, we all joke and we, we, we say you're goofy, but you're also an extremely clever guy. Um, I mean, anyone who's able to use sarcasm in a language that's not their mother tongue is really impressive. Um, and I know everyone loves it when you're invited to a press conference because you always keep it interesting, you keep it fun, even a little controversial at times. But whenever someone like <laughs> Sebi Kinlay is turning up to a press conference, people want to go. Um, for example, you know, the banter between yourself and Cam Worth, it always makes not just me but everyone laugh. It's good fun. And... I really love the fact that you're able to keep it a little lighthearted off the race course, even if it's all business on the race course. Um, do you know this about yourself? I don't. This is why I think this is why I think you are so lovable, is because I don't actually think you realise how funny you are. <laughs> that makes sense. Probably, probably I don't even realise myself. I mean, <laughs> maybe I don't. I just don't have a clue what I'm talking about. I'm just um, repeating uh, repeating phrases from ESPN. You know, it's. Um, <laughs> No, no, no you, the, the, you're doing it yourself. Thing, what What's really great in our sport is, is um, yeah, first of all, that, that this is possible, that it's, yep. that's even possible, you know, I mean, that you're not having, like, these people around you that tell you what you need to say and how you say it and, and so on. So that's, that's, that's something I like. And then the yep. next thing is, I mean, I... I spent um, probably like four or four months every year um, uh, in the U.S. or um, uh, in, in any uh, English-speaking country. And even if Josh Emberger still always gives me shit about <laughs> speaking yes. Spanglish or in my, in, in my case, um, Danglish. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and whenever I do, I do a YouTube video, it's like it's so funny because the people that give me shit about my English are usually the German English teachers. It's so funny. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, so therefore, yeah, I think um, that's what I really enjoy in our sport is that you are able to, to, to travel other countries and you not only see the hotel room and the, the race course, but you, you have like host families and we, uh, we have friends all over the world and that definitely helps to, yeah, uh, to also improve um, some some language skills I guess yeah uh, and it's funny you bring up Joshy Amberger because he's um we have a we have a saying over here for Joshy he's he's an old man in a young person's body <laughs> <laughs> yes he definitely is um, he's got a wise old brain he's 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 like an 80 year old in a, in, a, in a in a yeah 30 year old's body because uh, sometimes I think um He's he's an 80, 80 year old on on pot or something like that because yes. um, I mean whenever whenever I yeah I I got to hang out with him it's um it's just it's it's just really really good times always. Oh, he's, he's um, gorgeous. I think in in some ways um, I'm a little bit similar to just 
to Josh. I You're mean, like a German version I, of Josh. I, I absolutely, <laughs> seriously. Not, not as extreme as Josh. No, 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 no. <laughs> but also a little bit uh, ADHD influence for sure. Yes, yes. And, and just the fact that you can that you get Josh's sense of humor because, I mean, to me, Josh Amberg is one of the funniest guys on the planet, but a lot of people, <laughs> they don't get it and they miss it and they think, what are you talking about? It's not funny. I said, he's bloody hilarious. Well, but... But I think um, whenever somebody doesn't know what we are actually speaking about, um, he needs to check out some of uh, Josh's um, uh, race um, reports, Reports. after race reports um, on Instagram or Twitter or whatsoever. And then, uh, yeah, then it's pretty obviously that it is funny. (laughs) Absolutely. Totally agree. Oh, I totally agree. Now, looking forward to 2021, which is something I think we've all been doing since about March this year, praying that 2021 would come around. Um, Obviously, for you, uh, the number one plan will be Kona in October. Um, This is, I mean, obviously, this is if the world gets back to some sort of normal. Uh, So Kona in October. You were third last year behind Jan and and T.O., Tim O'Donnell. And I know... Quite a few age group athletes here. We, I was telling, I was talking today to some friends at the pool uh, who didn't get to go to Kona, and, and I'm saying, oh, I'm, I'm talking to Sebi today, and they were like, oh, oh, please, we want to know what happened to his foot last year in the race. We, we know something happened, and we can't believe that he actually still made it to the podium. So, one thing they wanted me to ask you is, um, what did happen to your foot last year in the race? Uh, and it, it, it is pretty incredible that you still were able to hold on to a podium spot. I mean, we're talking about the world championships here. Um, I think um, they were talking about my my right hip and oh, uh, hip was it? Oh, they seem think... to think it was something with your foot, but so it was your right hip. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in in Frankfurt, I stepped I stepped into a piece of glass and oh, that yeah, that's right. Sorry, my, yeah, must have been hip. Foot, yeah, so that's my probably fault. Got got mixed up, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But also in, in Kona, I think um, it was like a week before the, the race, um, we were still in Maui and I just did some uh, uh, some lunges in the in the garden. And uh, so I had this like, I had just like slight pain in, in my hip flexor and I thought, yeah, it's not, not that bad. And, uh, and then... It got a little bit worse um, leading up to the race, but we didn't do much training anymore, so it wasn't like really a big issue. But then, yeah, the last like five k's in a race, it got like really, really bad. And I mean, <laughs> I was so so happy at one point. You know, you don't even care about you know second place or first place anymore. The only thing I I cared about was like hopefully, you know, Ben Hoffman is not is not smelling this somehow and um, <laughs> and still believes he can can make the podium. But he was yeah. chasing so hard, yeah. Uh, and running down Palani, I I thought like my my right leg is gonna just like collapse under me uh. and then it's it's all over. But yeah, made it to the finish line. Was super happy, but. Like the week after, I could barely walk barely anymore, walk. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and I thought I I will do Ironman Cozumel, and uh, I was really motivated for for that one. But no, yeah, yeah. Then couldn't. it took me like I don't know, like almost two months of no running after the race wow. uh, to get it get it healed yeah. healed again. I think um, 
Yeah, it was just absolutely perfect timing. It lasted till the very last step. <laughs> Now that's it's interesting that you bring that up because let's talk about that just quickly. So Ironman Frankfurt was when you when you got the piece of glass in your foot, and you basically it was stuck in there pretty much for the for, for the entire run, or did you no, end up um, being able to take it out? Yeah, it. So um, uh, I must have stepped on it on the Australian exit after the first lap um, uh, of, of, the the, of the swim. And um, but yeah, during the swim, I just felt like a slight like burning sensation. It wasn't yeah. really that bad. And then, no. but when I ran to my bike, I was like, oh, actually, this it feels like feel there's something something in it, and it was quite painful to just like run through a transition area, but. I just took a quick look at it, but I couldn't like figure if there is something in it or whatsoever. And then I hopped on the bike and on the bike, it wasn't an issue because you don't have much pressure on the heel. Um, but I could see like there was quite some blood in the, in the shoe. And so I was um, talking to one of the referees mm. if I could um, get med medical uh, assistance in, um, T2, in T2 because I yeah. thought that there's still something in it and something stuck in the heel and um yeah so they checked back and um uh, yeah the medical stuff was just absolutely awesome they were prepared sure. they told me on the bike already that somebody is waiting there and that it's okay that it's not um that i don't get a penalty or whatsoever for taking outside assistance mm -hmm. and um yeah and then they they were really quick um to To get it out and um so it wasn't really hurting that much on the on the run at the beginning a little bit and it was just yeah burning because i think all the salt and water and whatsoever yeah of course yeah i got into into the wound but then then it was all all right yeah but it's it's interesting that we talk about so that's two big races i mean obviously i'm in frankfurt has a phenomenal field every year i'm in world championships has the best field And that's two things that have happened to you in those big races that under no, normal circumstances would either mean you, you DNF or you have a shitty race, but but either way you let it get to you mentally. Like you were just saying physically you could handle it, um, particularly, you know, said after the first few kilometres on the run it, it didn't hurt anymore. But that's one thing. But mentally knowing that what you've done is not great and the same with your hip blowing out in Kona, but still being able to push through. Do, do you think that this is one of the things that separates you and makes you as good as you are is because you are mentally just able to stay on task and push through and not – because you know as well as I do, Sebi, the last 15, 12 to 15K of, of, a, of an Ironman run, yeah. you know, Always. you'll use any excuse. You'll use any excuse yeah. to, to slow down or to say, well, you know what, It doesn't matter if I don't get this podium spot because I've got an injury or it doesn't matter if I don't win Ironman Frankfurt because I've just had a ruddy great piece of glass yeah. taken out of my foot. But yeah. that doesn't seem to be even part of your vocab. It doesn't seem to even slip into your mindset. Well, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it's very difficult to describe to somebody who is mm. um, not – who hasn't done a, a long course uh, triathlon. Uh, like you said, at one point, you just you just use any excuse. and um, But at the same time, you know, you worked so hard for, for this, but then yeah. 
it's um it's just not possible to to press reset like in a computer game and start start, start again. the day again or yeah. whatever you yeah. know and um i've had that once and that was at 70.3 world championships in uh, Mont-Tremblant in 2015 and i got there as a defending champion and my swim was horrible i would say as yeah. always pretty much <laughs> but then also on the bike you know i mean i didn't felt right and i didn't have the power but then i started to to find excuses you know i was like Oh, you changed the saddle, it's not um, the right seat height, and so on and so on and so on. And I got into this spiral of negative thoughts. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I, I mean, I didn't give up the race, but I gave myself up pretty much, and I ended up, I don't know, 19th um, place or something like that. Yeah. And this, like, I can still can remember, like, this hurt it so much because I knew you were lying to you the whole time. It yeah. was not true. It was not what happened. What happened was you had a bad day and instead of like accepting it and trying to still make the best out of it, you, uh, you gave yourself up and you, find, you found a lot of excuses to, uh, to sacrifice um, that you don't have to hurt yourself anymore. But this hurt it so much more in the weeks after than everything else. And... At the other, on the other side, I think I just got um, lucky pretty early on because I got tested very early on. I think the very first time I raced in Kona in uh, 2012, um, I was leading the bike together with uh, Marino van Hohenacker and I had a flat tire. And um, I mean, <laughs> I did some really stupid things with uh, my wheels and the tires back then. I don't want to go into <laughs> details but <laughs> i was not able to to change the tire by myself and oh, no. um, even if i had like a tube and, uh, and a co2 and so on but so i had to wait for a neutral assistance and it took like what 10 minutes oh. for them to be uh, to be there and so i think there was a chance that i would win this race because at the end i still had the best bike split even with these like i don't know eight minutes ten minutes waiting and um and then i ended up fourth place but i was really wow. happy because i knew um i didn't gave myself up at that time it would have no. been easy to say like oh yeah you had a flat tire next time you you have a chance but then you always have to wait one year and a long um, time yeah. yeah, and I think that's the reason why I realized it hurts so much more to tell yourself some lies, and yeah. um, even if even if it's true, I mean, to know for yourself like you fought through that and you still had something positive out of it, it's it's so it's so motivating because you you sort of like prove yourself that you can pretty much fight through everything and then that's the reason why you you end up winning on another day when you have when you don't have any any problems because if you start to give up um because of something like that you start to give up because of a lot smaller things exactly I lost my nutrition yep. oh my god oh, oh my god what yeah. should i do i'm yeah. gonna give up the race yeah next year um you know oh i had a cramp on the bike um uh, 
I gonna give up. I gonna give up. You know, it just was not my day. You know. No. Um, oh, I lost my Garmin. My power wasn't working. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Fucking uh, exactly. That, you know, that's, well, that's yeah. a good start. That's a good start. But you, yeah. you've, you, it's so true, Sebi. And, and and then it also goes back to what you were saying about numbers on paper. Um, you can have the, the the greatest numbers on the planet, but. And, and, you know, like we've been seeing with a lot of this Swift racing, I know there's been a lot of people coming out of Swift races and, and the numbers they're showing are phenomenal, but then you get them on a racetrack when when stuff doesn't go the way it's supposed to be. I mean, when you're sitting inside a garage or inside a pain cave that's all, you know, with the air conditioning going, of course everything's beautiful, but get your, get yourself out into the real world when shit does go wrong. And let's face it, there's probably never been one race that you've done where everything has gone yeah. Absolutely, exactly. perfectly, um, and I think that's what this is. What's made you a world champion? It's one of the the big reasons that you, you you've been world champion many times, for sure. And 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 it's also the most rewarding thing at the end. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. You know, the the thing is when you have an easy win and an easy race, it's not something I re remember very long. No, or that's right. Had myself on the shoulder for or whatever. It's it's most of the times the things. I remember is when I when it when it was really really bad, but you were still able to somehow hold it together, or when you really wanted to give up and just you know sit down on the aid station or stop at uh, your hotel and just go into the into the room. Yeah, easy to do. So yeah, easy to do. AC but... room. I mean, yep. you know. Um, 2018, I gave up the race in in Kona when I had my these Achilles um, problems. Problem, yeah. And even like two months later, I still asked myself, like, why wasn't it possible to somehow Get hold to it finish. together? You yes. know, I mean, and it's oh, it's that's like way way worse for me than than handling the pain for like. Totally agree. Four hours and then then it's all right, you know. Totally agree. <laughs> but I, it's also dangerous. Yeah. You, if you always do that, um, and if you always push through, you also at one point you can just harm yourself, you know. That's and that's true. also not a good thing. No. At one point true. you need to, you need to be able to separate from something that will probably really does damage to your harm body. You. That's right. And. Um, and something that uh, that's yeah. just in your head and just an excuse. So, yeah. and I think you yeah, know. I also don't like the people that say like a DNF is no option and you have to finish finish under any circumstances yeah. and, and under any means and so on because no. that's also just not true. No, no. I think as athletes, you should you as an athlete, you should know you, your body well enough that. Um, and I I can tell you now that I did Kona ten times and I I DNF'd once. And it's the greatest regret I've ever had in my entire career because I, I basically gave up. So there was no reason, there was no injury. I just knew I wasn't going to have a good race and I didn't want to have a shitty result against my name, so I gave up. And it, truly to this day, it is my only one regret in my career. So I think we know the difference between finishing because we should finish or or having to give up because we know if we continue to, to, to run or walk, we're going to do more damage than good. There's a difference. Um, yeah. 100%. And we know it. We know it. Yeah, we're 100%. kidding ourselves. And I think if we that's don't. the reason why I have so much much respect also for athletes. I mean, every year it's the same thing. In Kona, 
everybody uh, arrives with so high expectations and yeah. they they have the right to have high expectations you know there are at least probably 15 or 20 guys who uh, who can make the podium that's yeah that's it's just the, the way it is and yep. and they go there and they have the goal i want to make a podium but then at one point they realize oh this is not gonna happen anymore it's mm. it's gonna be like 10th or 15th place and to still stay motivated and fight for something if you realize it's not gonna be your your dream that's gonna dream, be fulfilled yeah, that day yeah, yeah. it's so hard but Very. i have so much respect also for for somebody like lionel who's then yeah who, who's even has probably the, the chance and the goal to win the race but yeah you still you still walk and and run and walk and run and and end up having like a, a 10 hour uh, finish or whatsoever yeah. and uh, but but i think that's something uh, that gives you the power to to do all the training and everything for the next year and um yeah i agree <laughs> totally agree i mean and you've, you've hit yeah. the nail on the head and, and i mean lionel sanders is a perfect perfect um case point there because he yeah he knew that he wasn't he could finish and he wasn't going to do any more harm but he went there with a goal um and i think we all have we all have different goals the first goal for you guys is is to win and then to podium and then you obviously have sub goals if things start not to work out um yeah. and it's all about just okay my my sole goal right now is just to finish this is the world championships i'm going to show my respect because it is the world championship and i'm going to make it to the finish but on uh, on the same hand if if it's going to mean that you're going to be injured for the rest of the year or, or into next year, then that's a that's a decision. It's a tough decision to make, but it's one that I think all athletes, uh, not just professional athletes, but age group athletes, need to make as well. Because you know, if you don't have if you don't have your your health, then you don't have anything. So yeah, I I used to think back when I was young that no no you finish under all costs regardless. Then I got a little older and a little wiser. Um, and yeah, it was all about well okay. And I used to stop and actually talk to myself and say. Is it going to harm you in any way to to get through this race? And, and if it wasn't going to harm me, then, then I make it to the finish line, even if it meant eleven hours or twelve hours. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's it's a tough call. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I well, mean, of course, in in some positions, I mean, if you run in second place and like the the first guy is thirty seconds in front of you, and you know you're going to harm yourself mm. if you try to close the gap. Of course, I'm gonna harm myself. I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah, that's different. Yeah, um, yeah, you don't, that's a little you different. Don't hesitate. It's, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, but that's also why we love this sport. It's exactly it's pushing yeah. to your limits and, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, <laughs> and even finding new limits that you didn't even know you had. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, Sebi, I hope that we uh, definitely get to watch you race in Challenge Davos at the end of this month. It's not very far away, which is very exciting. I think. You know, it, it's the closest we've got. I can't see anything going wrong between here and now. Fingers crossed. I know I shouldn't be talking, speaking too soon. Um, and I hope that we get to see you at a couple more races before the year is out. Definitely. But what I am most looking forward to is actually seeing you in person at a race. Some, I don't even care where it is. Um, <laughs> somewhere around the world sometime next year. Yeah, thanks, Belinda. Um, I just hope so too. And I hope to see you. Yeah all the people that are listening and um, uh, yeah just see you next 
seeing the, the Triton family again. That would be really nice. Absolutely. Well, listen, good luck. And I think you're going to do better in Davos than you give yourself credit to. Because I know how much you... Find out, eh, well, I know what a fighter you are. Um, yeah. Take care and I'll, um, I'll speak to you again soon, gorgeous. Thank you. Thanks. Ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening to Coffee Calls with Belinda. I really hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to continue listening and stay updated on our latest podcasts, then please subscribe. It would also be great if you could rate our podcast and leave us a review. If you have any specific questions you'd like me to ask the athletes, then please send through to the following email address, podcast at challenge family.com. The making of these podcasts would not be possible without the wonderful help of our great partners, Powerbar, Otso, Zone 3, Lubos Billick at LB Training, Sport No Limit Group and Velosop. But for now, thanks so much for listening and I'll be back soon for another coffee.